Hi there. I'm really glad that you're here today. I'm super excited as I will be interviewing one of my favorite professors from Singapore Management University, Justin C. Today he will talk more about his teaching style and why he chooses to teach the way he does. He teaches two philosophical and humanities modules in SMU, one being big questions and the other being publics and privates on the Pacific Rim. So let's get right into it. Okay, hi prof. Um I just today I wanted to interview you and learn more about your teaching style because from all the modules I've had in SMU, I've honestly enjoyed the most in, in your class and which is why I decided to TA for you and it's honestly been a very good experience for me. So I want to understand from you about your story of why you decided to be a professor and more about your teaching style. Okay, cool. So uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I um, listeners will not believe this, but I, I I've been wanting to be a professor since I was sixteen. I I learned that uh, when I was sixteen, I learned that if you have a topic in mind that you're passionate about and you want to study it, a career path that is possible for you is that you can become a professor. You know, when I was 16, I was like, I, I've never even had a professor before. I've never even met one. <laughs> um, what, what, what does this mean for me? But I did have a topic in mind because uh, I was a pastor's kid and therefore I have issues. And uh, I wanted to figure out where those issues came from. And uh, the easiest way to do that was to figure out the history of the Chinese church. And so, um, I talked to some people in my community about it and they were, they, they said, that sounds like you'll become a professor. And I was like, doesn't a professor just teach? It, what, what does my topic have to do with teaching? And they were like, well, no, I mean, a professor, uh, you have to do a PhD. I was like, why do you have to do a PhD? Don't you just teach? And they're like, no, you have to like figure out what you think about the world through your topic. And then you teach, but you also write books. And I was like, that sounds like a cool job. <laughs> so <laughs> that's sort of how I got started. And I'm a very stubborn person. So I kind of stuck to it. Okay, that, that sounds really good. So what sparked your curiosity in finding out about the history of Christianity? Yeah, it, it, it's mostly uh, my own baggage. I grew up in the Chinese church. My dad is a pastor. Our communities, uh, as all communities do, they have politics. And, you know, uh, when, when there's politics, uh, sometimes, sometimes you have good politics, meaning that you build up the institution. Sometimes you have bad politics because people don't like each other or people have different visions of the kind of community that they want. And when that happens, people get hurt. And, uh, I would say that our family got hurt as much as we were part of all that was going on. Uh, and so uh, what I wanted to know was, is this a pattern beyond my family? Or is it, or is it just me? <laughs> Do I just have this unique experience? Uh, it turns out that this is not only a pattern beyond my, my, my family, beyond my community, but there is a history of how, I guess, Sinophone communities, uh, which is what I call them, 
Sinophone meaning people who speak some kind of Chinese language. There's a history of Sinophone communities and their relationship with Christianity uh, on the Pacific Rim, uh, which is why I ended up teaching on the Pacific Rim and why I ended up uh, writing about the Pacific Rim. What I mean by the Pacific Rim is the, the dream to bring Asia to America and America to Asia and therefore integrate the Pacific region. Um, and so uh, my very personal topic became <laughs> this thing that was legible by other scholars. So just for the context of, just to give context to the listeners, the two modules that you teach at SNU, which is Big Questions and the Pacific Rim, can you describe them a little more? Yeah, they're, they're a little bit different. So, the, so I teach a course in the Cultures of the Modern World basket here at Singapore Management University called Publics and Privates on the Pacific Rim. It's kind of cheekily titled. Um, the, the, um, and, and the reason uh, it's in the Cultures of the Modern World basket is because uh, the argument that I make in the course is that uh, culture is about how you do things. They're, they're the practices and the stories that the practices tell. And usually uh, what happens is that uh, people categorize their world into public and private. So there's kind of two kinds of practices. And we want to look at these practices in the context of uh, what is called the Pacific Rim which is this aspiration to bring Asia to America and America to Asia uh, for mutual success and benefit. And then there's uh, the pre-assigned mod, the, the, the famous slash infamous pre-assigned mod called Big Questions, uh, where uh, students are required to um, engage in a big questions topic uh, of that year. So uh, Parthana, I, I had you for Happiness, um, happiness and, and suffering, yeah. Right, <laughs> you were my, you were not only my first term, you were my first class, 8 a.m. Monday, right? In the class of guinea pig, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, and then um, and then you TA'd for me for global and local. Yeah. And then uh, this year we're doing war and peace. Next year we're doing wealth and poverty. So oh. these are the four big themes of big questions. And what we do in big questions is we try to help our students understand uh, why their interests are part of larger conversations that the world is having. Uh, I completely felt that even through the conversations we had in class and it was very uh, interactive. So moving on to your teaching style, right? Why would you say you teach the way you teach as well as your, your grading, you know, when it comes to the three-legged stool? So maybe explain more about why you grade the way you do and also your teaching style. Sure, sure. So um, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, the three-legged stool refers to my class participation rubric, which is quality, quantity, and relevance. Uh, what I tell my students is, uh, you know, you, you do get points for talking more in class, but uh, it should be of some quality, meaning you should have thought through it, which also means that if you're lost, that's quality because you've thought through it and have no idea what you're saying. So uh, that sounds like thinking through it. Um, so it's a very broad category and also relevance, meaning we don't look at you and go, what are you talking about? So uh, that, that's quality, quantity, and relevance for my class part. The other thing is that I also say that uh, when I grade papers, 
the rubric is that it should be clear, convincing, and compelling. Meaning clear, meaning even I can understand it, even though I have a Angma accent. Um, <laughs> the um, convincing because uh, convincing meaning that it has an argument and it's trying to persuade me of something. Uh, and, and but that means that a student does not need to agree with anything that I say in class. They just need to engage it and feed me back their views, their argument. And it should be compelling in the sense that uh, the, the student should have taken some time to think about their personal experience and why they feel the way they do about their topic. So the way that we, uh, so, so the reason why I start with that is because once you see that that's sort of the end product of the class, then uh, what I do is I reverse engineer that <laughs> into my teaching style. That means that my classroom needs to be a safe space to try out ideas. It means that, uh, it means that controversial things can be safely said in my classroom, uh, even if we will shoot it down <laughs> or debate it or whatever, uh, things, the, the, the classroom should be a safe space to try out ideas because if you don't try ideas in the classroom, where are you going to try them? In the real world? <laughs> the, the, the stakes are a little bit higher there. So, um, and, and in the classroom, I feel like people can try out telling stories. They can try out, um, they can try out complex ideas, right? And they can ask questions of each other. Um, now, what does that look like in terms of teaching style for me? Uh, the first thing is that um, I see myself as somebody who offers my students materials to consider. So that does mean that I do a little bit of lecturing because I need to justify to my students why I pick these materials. But that's all the lecture is. It's not me saying this is the right answer. It's saying this is why I picked this just so for your information so that when you look at it, you're not confused, mm -hmm. All right? And then uh, what, that, what I hope to do with that is to open a door to a conversation. Uh, and in that conversation, because I'm just the one who's offered the materials, I, I genuinely want to see what my students think of it and what kinds of connections they make. And what that means is that I need to help my students understand that a professor is not somebody who is there to give them the right answer, right? And it's important that 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 they understand that it's that they should not just be agreeing with me about everything. And, and so I'll ask them questions back. I'll try to draw out their argument, and I also encourage them to talk to each other. Uh, so one student uh, gave me feedback. He said, "You know, Prof." I, I think that your philosophy of teaching is what you say is nice to know and what your classmates say is important to know, right? Which is usually uh, different from a more, I guess, traditional form of teaching where the prof's words are important to know and your classmates are nice to know, right? It's the opposite for me because uh, we're trying to learn from each other. Yeah. And I think the the style of your teaching also, like in class when 
you kind of do create a very safe space for everyone to voice out their genuine opinions. And then, you know, when you write it down on the whiteboard, it's like all our muddled thoughts and confusion on that whiteboard. Like it makes it very easy for us to see where we stand, what our beliefs are and the diverse beliefs in the classroom too. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I spoke yeah. the most in your class, even though like generally, as soon as I came to SMU with the class participation, it was a lot of fear to, you know, get out of that comfort zone and start talking. But because in your class, the environment was very non-judgmental, uh, especially because of, you know, the way you conducted it, your tone of voice and how you reacted to the responses, it helped all of us uh, speak more and actually articulate our thoughts. And I, I remember so many students being like, so I learned about this, 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 but at the end of the day, I don't understand any of it. And being so confused about it, like people were very comfortable saying that to you, which uh, created that safe space. Yeah, I, I think that that's very important feedback to hear, right? That my students are confused. Yeah. One thing that I've started saying, um, this is new, uh, a new line that I use in class is that I don't, uh, I, I, I asked them, okay, so this material is confusing. What's confusing you? And then they talk about it and it's quite coherent. And then I say, I don't think you're confused. I think you're frustrated, <laughs> right? Because those, those are two different things. Confusion is genuinely, you have no clarity about what you're saying. But if you're coherent about it, that means you're not confused. It's just that after you said it, you're quite frustrated because you don't know what to do with this information. Mm. Right. Um, and, and I think that speaks to how uh, pragmatic my students are. Uh, they, they want to do something important in the world. They're very passionate people. Right. Yeah. And sometimes the things that you learn in the classroom, you may not have an immediate application. Or you may see a problem and you want to rush to a solution, yeah. but you don't actually know fully what the problem is. And so the solution doesn't work out. Um, or, you know, you, you bring your genius solution to class and then, uh, you know, your classmates or your prof might say, um, have you thought about this, this, and this? And you go, oh, darn, <laughs> I didn't think of that, <laughs> right? Now that's not confusion, that's frustration, mm. right? So. Sorry about that. Um, so I uh, try to ask my students to think about, are they confused or are they frustrated? Uh, that's a new line <laughs> that I have this term. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it seems to be going well because now my students are saying they're frustrated, <laughs> they're not confused. Yeah. So yeah. apart from that, like what challenges have you faced with regards to your teaching style in particular? I would say that, uh, the the most difficult challenge is that some students are just not used to it because they really expect the teacher to be some kind of authority figure um something i used to say in bq a lot is you thought you were going to get an authority and then oops you got me <laughs> right because i do i look like an authority figure um so um i, I think some people feel that um the teaching style is unusual and they want uh, more solid answers. And the response that I give them is that uh, here we are invested in a real world education for the 21st century. 
if I give you the correct answer, I'm doing you a disservice. I'm actually not, I, I'm actually offering you false advertising because can you actually have a correct answer in the real world? No, you, you, you actually need to be clear, convincing and compelling in the argument that you make and then make space for other people to show you your blind spots. Right? I, I feel like that's like a good uh, posture to have in the real world. And so uh, that's why my pedagogy is this way because I, I, I want to you know, foster good citizenship you know, out there in the real world. Yeah. I feel like I've moved on from these sorts of personal interests. Like I, I really needed to know when I was 16 what is the Chinese church? What is its history? So that I could per process my personal issues. Right? Some people make fun of me. They say that I got into academia because I didn't want to go to therapy. So I, so my career is my therapy. And I feel like in my 30s, my career is less my therapy now. Um, maybe because I've embraced other sorts of mental health practices that are probably healthier. Um, but because of that, it's freed me up to ask big questions. Uh, so, you know, we ask big questions in our courses, but I'm very interested in the question of uh, what does secularization look like in the contemporary world and why are people embracing so much spirituality in a world that we call secular? Uh, this keeps me going because this question is impossible to answer. So I, uh, but it's, it's not just a personal question anymore. It's a question about the world, right? And so I feel like I, I hope to be able to offer stories that flesh out the question, even if I cannot fully answer it because it's an impossibly big question. Um, I, I hope to offer some stories so that uh, I can journey with people in processing this. And what that looks like is not only teaching, so in, in the classroom, it's quite an intimate journeying together, but also in my writing. So in my books and in my articles, when I have readers read this kind of thing, it's kind of us processing this question together too. Yeah. Right. So that sort of keeps me going. So it's a lot of research and a lot of writing, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I see students mostly on Mondays, and then I teach mostly on Tuesdays, and then you don't hear from me <laughs> until the next Monday. That sounds interesting. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, thank you so much for being your prof. I think it was very insightful. Learned a lot about your teaching style, why you teach the way you do. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for inviting me to this. Mm -hmm. uh, it was really good to reflect with you because you're... Uh, one of my victims, right? So <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a lot of fun to see how it is on your end. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Well, that's the end of this episode. I really enjoyed this conversation with one of my favorite professors from SMU. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Thank you so much for listening. You're listening to Paradigm Shift and I'm Pratna signing off.